Amen. Thank you. Take your Bible and join me. Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. If you notice uh, in your worship folder the title of the message, The Sanctity of the Relaxed Grasp. Now you know that I didn't come up with that. But I, I've got about five different uh, pastors that I trust that I, I read uh, concerning this book of Revelation to make sure I stay on the right course and see if they agree with me. Most time they don't, but I have to agree with them. But I was reading uh, Dr. Criswell's uh, commentary on uh, Revelation and I came across that phrase. He said, this is one of the greatest phrases I've ever read. And coming from him, that, that's something. And this was back in the mid-60s when he did all of this. And then he, he shared that, that uh, phrase, the sanctity of the relaxed grasp. And then he, he, went, he never did say who said that or how, where he read it. But... I went on, but I never could get that phrase out of my head. And as I concluded pulling all of 14 together, it dawned on me, and the, and the Lord finally got it through to me, that that's just exactly what we need to understand today about chapter 14. Now, one of the things that he did say along with that is this. The more we grow Godward... The more we grow heavenward, the more we let go. The more we grow Godward, the more we grow heavenward, the more we let go. I remember growing up as a, as a young boy and my grandparents, we would, we would be going to do something and we'd invite them to go and my granddad would say I don't I don't want to go I don't want to do that and I never understood that why he didn't want to get up and go and, and go uh, watch this or go do this or or go here because that's that was basically our middle name we we were here and there and doing all of these things never understood it until I'm getting pretty close to his age and now when they say, let's go do this, I say, I don't want to go. <laughs> Been there, done that. I've got four t-shirts and two caps. I don't want to go anymore. All of us, all of us do that. But as, as we grow more Godward and more heavenward, we let go of a lot of stuff, you know what? We just, it, it, it doesn't, the, the thrill is gone, I guess you could say. But as we begin to understand what this, this chapter is about, I want to point out something to you. There are many that are listening to me by Facebook and, and radio and you that are sitting here. We have a tendency to hang on to our ways and our habits and hold on to those things until they condemn us. That's the problem that we're facing. And that's what's happening with this, this uh, revelation that you and I are talking about. 
But some people will say, you know, I have set times in my life that I do certain things. From this time to this time, I pray. This time to this time, I read the Bible. This time to this time, I meditate or whatever it might be. The problem with that is this. When you begin to hang on to those things that you have developed a habit to do, it doesn't mean what you think it means to you. All you're doing is fulfilling a habit. Now, I'm not saying don't pray, and I'm not saying don't read the Bible, and I'm not saying that you don't need to sit and listen to God. What I am saying is, is that if you have to do it that particular time, and that's when you do it, and more than likely, that's the last time you do it in the day, something's wrong. you got to let go of that habit and enter into a time of worship. A lot of us, me included, you, if we're honest, as we begin to grow and we, and we begin to do things, all of a sudden we'll begin to say, I do it my way. I, I know. I do it like I want to do it. I do it my way. And I know that's a song, but the song is not right. I've, I've got a friend that wants me to preach his funeral, and he wants that song sung at his funeral. And I looked at him one time and I said, I'm going to tell you something, bud. You're going to be dead, and I'm going to be on the funeral. And it doesn't matter what we play, and I ain't playing that. I did it my way. Well, let me just be blunt. I'm not blunt very often, but I'm going to be blunt. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. <laughs> you keep doing it your way, and you'll wind up burning in hell. Because, folks, it's God's way. And we've got to turn loose of some things so that we make sure that when all of these things begin to happen, then we did it God's way. And when you look at, at all the things that we hang on to, and you're hanging on to things, you may not admit it, you may not realize it, but you're hanging on to things that are pulling you back and keeping you from being everything that God wants you to be. We lay it off to pride. I don't need that. We say, well, I, I did it my way, or uh, I, I don't need to go to church because my work and my play or my religion, I don't, I don't have to go to church to get into heaven. And that's right, but I'm going to tell you something. If you really know Jesus as your Savior, you want to be here. Because we gather with God's people, and that's what He says to us. And if you read the Scripture, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now, that's a command to us. And so, yes, we are saved by grace. I get that. But I want to be in God's house and do what God wants me to do. The older we get, the more we let go. If we don't let go, we become hardened. Now, from chapter 12 all the way through chapter 13, we learned about Satan being cast out of heaven to the earth. In chapter 13, we learned about the Antichrist coming up from the masses of the people. And then we learned about the false prophet coming up out of the earth. And these three are going to control the tribulation period. All three of them. It's all going to come to pass. It's all going to come at the time that God has set. You'll notice now as we begin in chapter 14 that one more time, God's given us an opportunity to repent. God is giving us one more time that we can turn loose 
of the lies of Satan and we can let go of the things of the Antichrist and the false prophet. And when we turn loose of those things and put our faith and trust in God, then you and I can realize and understand that God wants to do for us what only God can do. Now listen, and listen real close. There are many people sitting in church today. Are you ready? If the rapture comes, they'll be left behind. Now here's my question. If the rapture came today, right now, would you be in heaven with Christ? Do you truly know Jesus as your Savior? Have you invited Him into your heart to save you, to live within you? Or are you still holding on to those, those lies that you've told yourself that as, as long as I can do what I'm doing, I don't need the church because that's for women and children. And thank God for women and children. But it's for all of us. Amen. So what are you hanging on to? Whatever it is, it's time to let go. You're going to see here in just a second, God's given us one more chance to let go and worship and know Him, trust Him, believe Him, not denominations. It's Christ that makes the difference. So we got to turn loose. Why should we turn loose? Well, one of the things that we need to do if we don't turn loose we're not going to accomplish what God has given to us, but what we need to do today is to understand that it's time in our lives to let go of these things that are hindering us and praise God for the seal of protection. What am I talking about? Look at verse 1, chapter 14. John says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount, on the Mount Zion. And with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. Now, I don't know about you, but if you pastor church very long, you're going to hear a lot of folks harping. <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. Okay? But that's not what it's talking about here. Verse 3. They sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. What does John see? First of all, he sees those sealed with the Father's name. And they have been sealed since the beginning of the tribulation. Revelation 7 is the first time we came across this 144,000. It is 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe, the 12 tribes, 144,000 at the beginning of the tribulation as the Antichrist is rising and taking control little by little, these 144,000 are moving through the earth and they are proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And nothing that Satan or the Antichrist or the false prophet, there is nothing they can do to stop them because God has sealed them. As long as they are a part of the Heavenly Father, they're sealed. They're protected. 
And God has them in his hand. I want you to notice something. If you read over in chapter 7, here's where we first learned about 144,000, 12,000 from each tribe. And we get into chapter 14, how many came back to the throne? 144,000, not 143,999. 144,000 went from the beginning of the tribulation to the time when they were taken out because God's judgment is about to fall. They've done everything that God has asked them to do during this tribulation period. And the reason that they were able to do what God wanted them to do is because He protected them and sealed them because they followed Him, they obeyed Him, and they shared the gospel as God had given it to them. Now, what is it that we are called to do? We are called to obey God. We are called to follow God. We are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. To share that which Jesus has given to us because of what God has done for them. And they have been sealed by the Father because of their choice to obey Him. I was reading a little prayer earlier this morning. I hadn't seen it, but I picked up a magazine and I saw it. And it began something like this. Father, turn my head down the path so that I might see you and follow you. I'm going to tell you something, friend. God doesn't turn your head to follow him. You turn your head to follow him. If God did that, every one of us would have a crick in our neck. Because back and forth, he'd be flipping our head back and forth. We're here, he turns it. Here, we turns it. He doesn't do that. If you don't want to follow the path and you don't want to look, he's not going to make you do it. You see, it's a choice that we make. That's why I'm saying to you, we've got to turn loose of these things that hinder us in our walk with God. We've got to turn loose of what is separating us from God, and we've got to turn loose of those things that are keeping us from knowing Christ as our Savior and being prepared for what's about to happen. Do we choose to do that? Now, notice what happened with these people when they chose to obey what God called them to do. Verse 1, they are sealed with the Father's name in their forehead. Verse 2, he hears a voice and many voices of great thunder Then he heard the harps. Now, harps are are mentioned in the scripture uh, several times. And, you know, most of the time with an orchestra that you might see, there may be one harp, maybe two. And there there may be one or two more, but there's not that many harps even in a large orchestra. But here is God, and, and what this means is these are God's harps that are handed to these people. And all of a sudden... All of this, this, this noise that he hears, this rushing of many waters and the voices coming forth, they sang a new song before the throne, before God, before the four beasts and the elders. That's all of us. We are listening to this new song. But the 144,000 that were redeemed are the ones that know the song. No man can learn the song. Well, I've got news for you. I've been trying for years to learn songs, and I can't understand what you're saying. 
I've got a deal on my radio now that tells me what the name of the song is. And I look at that and I say, I didn't know that was the name of that song. I can't hear that. What's that? Am I tone deaf, tin-eared, or just ignorant? I can't, I can't pick up words. I can't learn songs. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I can't do it. But I tell you this, it'll be a joy to stand around and listen to the 144,000 sing a song that I've never heard before. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to be able to tell what they're saying. But what are they singing about? They're singing about the protection of God. They're singing about the the, uh, obedience that, that they gave and they were able to accomplish the will and the purpose of God. You say, where do you find that preacher? I found it in the book of Norman chapter 2. All that they're singing is what they know. I don't know what it's going to be like to be a part of the 144,000 that is proclaiming the gospel throughout the tribulation. I can't do that, and neither can you, and neither can those that are standing there, but they can sing the song. Now, let me ask you a question. I've been waiting all week to ask you this. What is your song? What song is in your heart? What has God placed in you that you say, that's, that's my song? That's, that's what I hear. I've told you mine the last two or three weeks. And I still listen to it in the mornings. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I love it. What's your song? Because you see, if we can't sing the song with, with 144,000, we can sing a song that, that they can't sing. What's your song? Do you have a song? If you don't, turn loose of that message inside of you and take the song that God has given to you. They're rejoicing because they've been taken away from the lure of the world and they followed the Lamb, it says. Following the Lamb in verse 4, These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb with whosoever it goeth. These were redeemed from among the men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. Following the Lamb. Doing the will of God. Obeying Him. But here's the thing. When you read the first verse, or the first sentence in chapter four, in verse 4, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Where does our minds go? To a sexual relationship. That's, that's what we think. But folks, what he's talking about here is that they did not commit... Are you ready? Spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. In other words, they maintained their purity with God. They continued to obey Him. They continued to follow Him. And they continued to do what God asked them to do. Let me read to you what the half-brother of Jesus said. James chapter 4. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We are the bride of Christ. Jesus is the bridegroom. If you and I put ourselves in the world and seek after the things of this world and want the the things of this world and strive to get the things of this world, then, my dear friend, we are guilty of committing spiritual adultery. We belong to Christ. We are to worship Him. We are to follow Him. We are to obey Him. And if we don't do that, we're committing spiritual adultery. These 144,000 praise God because they did not enter into that, that worship of the things of this world, but they trusted Christ. 
They praised God in that song because they were able to serve Him. And now the harvest is coming. They are the first fruits of coming out of the tribulation. I know there are a lot of saints that have died, but these 144,000 are going to come out all intact. And then those that they preach to are going to follow behind them that have put aside the things of this world, quit listening to the lies of Satan, and now they are trusting Jesus. Another thing in verse 5, And in their mouth was found no guile, for they were without, they were without fault before the throne of God. You see, Satan, Antichrist, false prophet, are nothing but liars and deceivers. These people never lied. They knew the truth, and the truth set them free. You say, well, preacher, that's real good about the 144,000, but what about me? Hey, I've got good news for you. I want to share something with you that Jesus said, and it comes out of the Gospel of John. Here's what he said. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand, because I and my Father are one. You want to hear what the Apostle Paul said about that? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Why? Listen to what Paul said, 2 Corinthians 1. Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. That's just like earnest money. When you put it up and say, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. Earnest money. God has put up to us earnest money so that we understand we belong to Him. Paul said, Ephesians 1, In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Beloved, we have been sealed by Almighty God if you're a child of God. And that's the truth. We have been sealed. I want you to notice something. We've been sealed by the love of God. For God so loved the world. You know that verse? For God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him, what does it say? Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We have been sealed by the love of God. We have been sealed by the power of God. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. No man is able to take them out of my Father's hand. We are sealed by God's love. We're sealed by God's power. I've had people tell me, yeah, people can't take me out of God's hand, but I can take myself out of God's hand. My soul, friend, if you ever know Jesus for sure, you don't want out of his hand. You ain't going anywhere. We are sealed by his power. We're sealed, Paul said in Ephesians 1.13, by the Holy Spirit of God. We're sealed. You see what the 444,000 are doing? We've been sealed. And when the church gets to heaven, we're going to sing, I've been sealed. I belong to God. We ought to be praising God that we've been sealed. If you know Jesus, if you haven't, turn loose all that mess that you're holding on to and trust him and believe him. 
Not only that, but we need to praise God for His truth and His promises. Verse 6. Look at verse 6. Another angel flies in the midst of heaven. And what does he have? The everlasting gospel. To preach unto them that dwell on the earth. Every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Now you understand the seventh trump as it sounded. That was in chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. Now let me tell you something about chapter 12, 13, 14, 15. These chapters pretty much describe to us or telling us this is how all of this is happening. It's kind of like, as one writer said, it's kind of like the table of contents. Because when you get to chapter 16, God is fixing to open up his judgment. And that's what we're facing here. God is going to open his judgment and he's going to pour it out upon the face of this earth. But here in verse 6, he's given us another chance. The angel is flying out and he has the everlasting gospel, which means it belongs to God. It's the gospel for all the ages. It doesn't change from the very beginning in Genesis 3 to the last chapter in Revelation 22 to the year 2021 on this April 16th. The gospel never changes. We belong to Jesus. It's God's. And we are to share that everlasting word of God, just like these angels. It's the word of the ages. It brings light into the darkness. To all the world, he said, every kindred, nation, tongue. And what does he say in verse 7? With a loud voice, fear God. Give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. Worship him. Just like today, the end is coming. You know it. I know it. The end is coming. Another 20 years, 30 years, 40 years for sure, I'll be out. 30 years I could be out. 20 years I could be out. 10, 5, tomorrow. And so can you. I'm nothing special. But I can stand here today and I can tell you with, with full assurance in my heart. If the Lord wants to come after me, I'm ready. Now, are you? Have, you? have you trusted him? Have you asked him to come into your heart and save you? Because the end of this is coming. And the message, did you hear the message? Fear God. Now, I've got a verse you can look up when you get home. It's Hebrews 10, 31. You know what the writer said? It is a fearful thing. To fall in the hands of a living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. What did you do with my son? That's what he's going to ask you. That's what he's going to ask me. What did you do with my son? Well, Lord, I, I, I had to work and I had to do this and I did this and, and I had to do this and, and this and this and this. He said, I didn't ask you that. What did you do with my son? Well, I had to go here and I had to go there. And, yet, you know, I had to take my family. We just had to get away and then this and this and this. He said, I didn't ask you that either. What did you do with my son? What did you do? What is Jesus doing in your life? What is he doing in mine? What does Christ mean to us as we call him our Savior and our Lord? Here he calls him the Creator, which means he's over all things. And it belongs to God. It belongs to him. 
I'm encouraging you today, let go of the lies of Satan and put your faith and trust in Almighty God. He is sovereign and we will answer to Him. That's what He tells us. And that's what He wants us to know today. Because you see all the false religions of the world are going to be destroyed. If you look in verse 8, and there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city, because she's made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, we're going to get into Babylon in chapter 17. And I'll, I'll explain that to you, what that Babylon is. But you go back in, into Genesis chapter 11, and you read about Babylon. It was called Babel. It was built by a man by the name of Nimrod. He was related to Noah. Nimrod wanted to build a city. And build a tower that reached into the heavens so that they could be there with God. Nimrod was a great hunter. He was a powerful warrior. And Nimrod wanted to build until God scattered everyone. Oh, we lose sight of Nimrod. You know what the Jews say about Nimrod? You know what happened to him? The Jews say that Nimrod, a gnat, gnat flew up his nose into his brain and chewed away his brain until he went crazy. Especially with that buzzing and all around him. Now, the, the Muslims, which, you know, they, they, they believed in Nimrod. They said it was a mosquito that got up into his brain. It doesn't matter which one it was. He couldn't let go of it. And it destroyed him. And God is going to destroy Babylon that has fought against people's relationship with God since Genesis chapter 11. It is Babylon that, that captured Jerusalem and brought her down and put her in captivity by the will of God. It is Babylon that stood against the things that, that stood for Almighty God. It is Babylon that grew itself and said, we will be God. Babylon. Babylon is destroyed over and over again. It's destroyed. And these three that have seduced the world, made their drink the wine of fornication, the wrath of God. You know what I thought of when I read that? These people today that, that won't let go of the things of this world, the problem is they drank the Kool-Aid. And now they think this is all right, this is all good. And every one of us, if you were living back in the 70s, you remember when Jim Jones gathered those seven, eight, nine hundred people around him and take a drink, take a drink. You remember the piles of bodies that lay there? You remember that? Drink the Kool-Aid, Marvin Applegate. You remember when he said, we're all going to go to heaven on Halley's Comet? They all drank poison. They had change in their hands so they'd have money when they got there they all had on new tennis shoes and all they did was drink the poison and die what is it that's keeping you from taking hold of god this babbling the lies that he is perpetrating against us don't drink the kool-aid 
Because, folks, the indignation of God is fixing to rise. Verse 9, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If a man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead and on his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the only angels and in the presence of the Lamb. The smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night if you worship the beast you'll drink that you see a lot of this used to be diluted this this wine they would dilute it but the wine of the wrath of god is not going to be diluted you will be turned away to satan if we don't let go of him here and god begins to move in you'll be turned into the way of satan into the fire and the brimstone, which Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41, it was prepared for the devil and his angels. What I want you to hear, the, hurt, the fire, the brimstone, the smoke for eternity, darkness surrounding you, hurt, pain all around you, fire, brimstone, smoke all around you. But then it says, there will be no rest for eternity because we hung on to what we thought was the best. You want to see the best? Verse 13. Verse 13. I use this verse a lot for funerals. But it's the second beatitude. And I know you don't remember. But back in, in Revelation 1 and verse 3, there is a beatitude. Blessed are those that read this word. Here's the second of the beatitudes in the Revelation. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works follow them. He tells them to be patient in verse 12. You're in the tribulation. Be patient. I'm coming for you. Stay close to the commands of Christ. Have your faith in Jesus. I'm coming. The wrath is coming. And I'll take you out. Folks, blessed are those that die in the Lord, that know Him as their Savior. Notice what it says. If you die in Christ, you'll rest from your labors. We're going to serve God, but my soul, it's not going to be any shakes to serve God. Your knees are going to feel good. Your shoulders, your elbows, your arms are going to feel good. There's no arthritis in heaven. There, there's no restrictions in heaven. There's nothing that you're going to have to do. We're going to be jumping and running, and we can run here, and we can run there, and we can go over here, and we can smile, and we'll do all of those things that we don't do in here, in, in, in the world today. Rest from your labors. I don't have to put up with any more of this mess down here of listening to Satan say, do this, say this, think this. Rest. Eternal rest and your works will follow you. Are you ready to see Jesus? Your works will follow you. We need to praise him for his truth and his promise, but we also need to praise him for the harvest to come. And I want to show you something right quick, and I'm not going to spend a long time here because it doesn't take long. Look with you, Will, in verse 14. Now understand that God's, God's wrath uh, is, is that which is a part of his character. His love is not emotional. His love is holy. 
which means that God doesn't get real mad at what's going on. He's just following what he said he's going to do. And if we continue in our sin, he's going to pour out the wrath. And you'll see it in verse 16. And, and nobody's going to be able to uh, be a part of that and, and, and live. If we allow that to happen, then folks, it's because of what you choose and not him. But verse 14 says, I looked and behold a white cloud. And on the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Now, very quickly, the one on the cloud is none other than our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, some people will say that can't be because the angel came down and told Jesus what to do. No, he came down and said, Master, it's time. It's time. Now, what's happening here is a wheat harvest. Matthew chapter 13 talks about the wheat and the tares. And if you'll ever notice, then, and the tares that he's talking about is a weed called darnel seed. It's, it's darnel. And it looks just exactly like wheat. But here's the difference. When wheat grows and the head begins to fill itself with, with seed, the wheat will bow towards the earth. Right, Ricky? The wheat will turn down. Darnell stands right straight up because there's no seed there. Now, Jesus talks about the wheat and the tares. And he says the wheat is the good. And he told the servants, he said, don't go out there because you might take in the wheat with the tares. So don't try to pull up the tares. What's going to happen is Jesus is going to take care of the tares, but he is going to harvest the wheat. Now, what's the difference? If you know Christ is your savior, then you grow in God with your head bowed toward him. There's going to be a wheat harvest, it says in, in chapter 13 of Matthew. But Jesus knows who you are. All right, all right. And if you are on this earth and you know him, he will bring you out of this earth. Right. The tares will be left and the scripture says they will be cast into the fire and burned. Yes, yes. Okay, The harvest is going to be for those that know Jesus, and he knows them, and he is the one that brings them out. Now, verse 17. Another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He has a sickle. And another angel came out from the altar. Now, this is that fire altar that sits out front. We've already talked about that. And had power over the fire. He cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, and he said, Thrust in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. The angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into a great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even under the horse's bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. That's 200 miles. That's a stadia. Now, let me just tell you something. Get this out of the way. We don't understand all of that because it's hard to imagine for 200 miles a river of blood. I know it can happen. I, I got it. I know it can. But it's hard to describe. It's hard for us to explain. So don't get hooked on that. Remember this. 
this vine harvest, Satan has put in a counterfeit vine, just like he did put in a counterfeit Messiah. They're following the Antichrist, the counterfeit. There is a counterfeit vine, and it's growing those who know not Christ. And he brings the sickle, and he says, thrust it in there. Did you see where it goes? You take down that vine. You take all of, all of those that think they're ripe, that didn't let go and take the things of God, and they are going to be put into the wine press of God. Now hear me, and then I'll close. I'm over in chapter 19, but listen to this. Talking about Jesus coming on his white horse. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Those that are counterfeit, those that are against Christ, will be trodden down and forever separated from God. And I'm going to ask you this morning one more time. Do you really know Jesus as your Savior? Because, folks, we don't have a time frame here. Jesus could come back at any moment. Are you ready for him? Soon and very soon, I'm going to see Jesus. I don't know when. Neither do you. Do you know that you know that you know that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior? If you know that, then it's time to get busy and be obedient to what he's asked us to do. I'm asking you this morning, if you don't know Christ, I want to introduce you to him. I want you to know him before you leave here today. I don't want you to hang on to your pride and say, I, I can't do that. Somebody might think I'm a liar. Somebody might think uh, that I'm a too, uh, too good for them or whatever it might be. Quit that. The sanctity of the relaxed grasp. Let it go. Take hold of the hand of Jesus. And one of these days, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. Will you be there? If not, you can be. Let's pray together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I want to introduce you to my Jesus. I want you to know him as your Savior. If you've joined a church, but you've never invited Jesus into your heart, turn loose of that. If you've been through a ritual, baptism, Lord's Supper, whatever, and you said, I'm good, turn loose of that. If you're doing, living a good life and all of these other things, turn loose of that. You need Jesus today. I want you to open your heart in faith, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Believing God's going to do what you ask Him and, and wanting what God can give you. You pray with me, dear Father. I know I'm a lost sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe he rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Now you're not finished. If you've asked Jesus to come into your heart just now, I want you to get up from where you are, and I want you to come down here. Nobody's looking. I want to meet you down here. We'll talk about what goes next. You want to pray that prayer? Come meet me down here. We'll pray it together. If you know Christ is your Savior, 
Maybe you need a church home where you can say, this is where I belong. This is where I serve. This is what God's going to do in my life here. If you've been saved by God's grace and baptized by immersion and you belong to another denomination, we can take you by statement. Or you want to come by letter from another Baptist church, you come. Or if you need to be baptized into this church, don't put that off. Turn loose of those things and just say, okay, God, I want to do your will. You've sealed me. I want to do your will. Whatever God places on your heart this morning, it's time. Let's move for the glory of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, speak to our hearts. Give us boldness. Lord, help us turn loose to the pew and step out and say yes to you. In Jesus' name, as we stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come. Come here, come now, but come quickly. Come. Oh, soul, are you turn to get a good look at Jesus, you won't want anything else but Him. You come right now. Come. I'll meet you here. I'll meet you halfway down the aisle if you want me to. Come. Turn loose of this world. Let it go. It's time to serve Jesus. Time to honor Him. Would you come? Say yes to him. Folks, I've done my best to explain to you what's, what God wants to do. Turn your eyes to him. Trust him, believe him. His word is true. Don't take this as something that doesn't mean anything. Come to him. go. Turn your eyes to Jesus. He waits. He wants to receive you. God bless you. Thank you for being here and thank you for sharing this time with us. We'll be back tonight at five o'clock. Come and worship with us. Let's all gather together and, and see what the Lord has for us tonight. So you come and be a part of that Wednesday. Uh, we're just beginning in Second Corinthians. Come and study the book with us. It's a great book and Paul is, is describing uh, his relationship. So you come and be a part of that. 630. We pray together. We laugh together. We study together. It's a great time of the Lord. So you come and be a part of that. Thank you for being here. Don't get away too quick. If you're a guest, we want to know who you are and appreciate you for coming and sharing that. Anything else? Let's join hands across the auditorium. Let's sing a song of benediction. Love somebody in the name of the Lord. Be a witness every day. 
let the love of Christ come shining through as you travel on your way. Oh, let us be a beacon in the darkness of the world, shining with the light of Jesus' light. Set our souls afire and fill us with your power. Shower us with blessings from above.